Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. One of the most important things that we do when we are praying, when we are approaching God, drawing near to God, is to re-narrate our lives according to the reality of God's presence, the reality that the presence of God is the overarching reality of every context of our life, every circumstance of our life, that we see me, who I am in the context of of God and his presence with me and his love for me and his focus on me. I'm rebooting, I'm re-narrating, I'm recalibrating, recentering my life vertically rather than just responding to the horizontal circumstances of my life and letting that bounce me around or as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, being tossed by every wave and wind of doctrine, of teaching. That instead of being tossed by the waves and the wind and going from here and there, and our life is this spiritual, emotional chaos, relational chaos, circumstantial bumper pool, because we're just seeing our lives horizontally. What we're trying to do in this podcast and what we're trying to do anytime you pray is to align your life vertically, re-narrate your life just in a moment, re-narrating your life vertically. We often read in the Bible of people saying quick prayers. Nehemiah says a quick prayer before he talks to the king. In the first book of the Bible, Abraham's servant says a quick prayer before he meets Rebekah to bring back as Isaac's wife. Just these little quick prayers in the Bible that are just re-narrations real quick. Okay, what is getting ready to happen in my life is in the context of the reality of God. He is present with me. And Psalm 118, we've been looking at it now for many episodes, and we've been noticing how it is part of this foreshadowing story of God that created this universe becoming human in the person of Jesus in order to be our Passover lamb, in order to be our sacrifice on our behalf, our substitute, that his cross overcomes my sin. His love overcomes my unloveliness, my unrighteousness, my rebellion, that God is letting me reboot my life literally through resurrection, through Jesus's resurrection. His death and breaking through the other side of death, took death for me, took judgment of sin for me in my place, and he rose from the dead so that he could give me resurrection, reboot, without sin, in a sense, I don't want to sound cheesy, but a do-over, but not just a do-over in the sense that of like Adam and Eve, but better, made with bodies of spiritual power and glory and unable to die and unable to sin. Paul talks about all this in 1 Corinthians 15. So it's 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 more than a reboot. It's like a power boot. And it's a opportunity for us to live now in that story, to, to bring the future into the present, 
And that's what we're doing when we pray. That's what we're doing when we come to God's word and we use God's word to fill our mouths with the prayers that God's spirit has given us to pray. When we understand the story that Psalm 118 is telling us, the whole story of God's love, steadfast love that endures forever, of God's goodness that endures forever by becoming our Passover lamb, by becoming our salvation. Verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord, all the things that he has done. Whenever the Bible says recount the deeds of the Lord, the first thing I think of is the death and resurrection of Jesus for me. Like Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in Galatians 2.20. And so we, we, we have something like that in a phrase in Psalm 118 that I want to look at today. It's verses 6 and 7, just two verses. It says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, you know, if you're like me, I have a little bit of cynicism always in the back of my mind. Whenever I read a phrase like, what can man do to me? The first thing that comes to my mind is, well, kind of a lot. I mean, I can really suffer at the hands of a person. They can ruin my life. They can hurt my loved ones. They can steal their life and my life. Lots can happen. They can ruin my career. People can do a lot of damage. And of course, the author of this psalm knows that better than I do. The times were different back then, and people were violent, and there wasn't the rule of law like there is now. We're blessed beyond imagination compared to the life that the people who wrote these psalms thousands of years ago had to live. So they're not naive and stupid when they say, what can man do to me? They know the answer is quite a lot, but they also know the answer is ultimately nothing. That God is sovereign, that God is in control. Nobody can do anything to me that doesn't pass through the sovereign hands of God first. Jesus says, not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will and the care of your heavenly father, and you're much more valuable than a sparrow. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. But sparrows fall, all sparrows fall, but never outside the timing and the will and care of God. And that's the same with us. We're all going to die, of course, and we might die by the hands of somebody, but never outside the care and the sovereign will of God. Ultimately, nobody can do anything to me that is not God doing it to me, according to his will. And it says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Now, this is not talking about a battle where both sides think God is on their side. That's not what this is about. David talks about this in Psalm 56. He says in 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, talking to God, obviously. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And then he says in verse 9, My enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I know that God is for me. I know that God is for me. Ultimately, I know that God is for me. So he says in verse 10 again, In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can man do to me? 
Now, you know, the repetition there is really important. It's a repetition in the psalm of these verses, but even when you're in those verses, it repeats, right? It's a poetic repetition, and it might sound like David's trying to convince himself through saying these things. And in some sense, that's true. When we repeat something, we are putting ourselves in the story that we believe is true according to God's promise. So repetition is part of how we re-narrate our story, re-center our lives. And that's what David is doing. He's saying, ultimately, I am not in danger apart from what God is going to allow because I know that God is for me. Ultimately, what can mere mortals do to me? I'm not going to be afraid because it's God that's in charge. What can mortals do to me? What can people do to me? What can circumstances do to me outside of God's care and God's love? And what he says specifically is God is for me. Something similar to what David says in Psalm 18, verse 19, God rescued me because he delighted in me, that God delights in me. God is for me. Now, again, I know that people have abused this throughout history, so we're all listening to this with a little bit of a cynical mind. Yeah, people say this all the time. That doesn't mean it's true. And that that is true. But what we're trying to understand here is we're not saying this in the context of, therefore, my agenda will go forward. We're saying it almost in the opposite. We're saying it in the context that I want God's agenda for my life because I trust him that he is for me. I trust him that he is on my side. He delights in me. I can trust his will for me, even if my plans don't go according to my plan. David says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, David was afraid a lot, and David feared a lot, and almost all of his psalms are written in the context of fear. So it's not as if he didn't have fear, but he's trying to re-narrate his life and say, ultimately, What is there to be afraid of? Because God, the Lord, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who is always present, the one who is always in charge and in control of all of my circumstances, he's the one that's my salvation. So whom shall I fear? He's the stronghold of my life. So of whom shall I be afraid? And then the last couple verses of of Psalm 27, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that ultimately my life is in this great story and nobody can do anything to change that. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I will take, I will be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, and and, and he is, is the idea, God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, lots of people can be against us, and lots of people are against us. But again, it's trying to put it in the ultimate context. If God is for us, who can be against us that matters? Because nothing's going to happen to us that God doesn't will, that God doesn't allow, according to his love for us, that he is for us. So it's always going to be for us when something happens. So again, he says, if God is for us, 
Who can be against us? And then he says in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So here's the point. God has already done it. He's already become human. He's already done the hard part. Suffering, being whipped, being beaten, dying on the cross. He's already done that because he is for us, because his will for us is life and joy and good. And he's already done it. And so how will he not also give us everything else he came to give us? In other words, Jesus came to give us joy and life and abundant goodness in the land of the living. So if he's already done it, why is he not going to continue to follow through on it? Of course he is. If God is for us, who that matters can be against us? And so we look at the story of Psalm 118, where ultimately God became human and became the Passover lamb as evidence of these verses. I'm going to read them again. Psalm 118, verse 6 and 7. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, there are spiritual forces of darkness in this world that hate you always trying to deceive you in order to, de to destroy you because they hate you with a supernatural hatred that you have no idea how intense it is. And they are always trying to hijack you out of this story of redemption, this story of God's love. And the way that they do that is to get you to doubt God's will for you, to get you to fear your circumstances, to get you to panic and step outside the will of God. When I get up in the morning and sit on my porch, right when the light of the sun is beginning to fill kind of a glow in the sky, it's still dark, but you can see that the sun is over the horizon and coming. It's a little bit of a, a light haze in the sky. And that's when the owl will scream out this horrific cry. It, it scares me. And I know the reason it's doing that is sort of a last call for something to eat. It's a, it's a cry to cause some little animal to panic at that cry and begin to run. And that's when the owl will see it, be able to capture it, take it, snatch it. And I think that's what the spiritual forces of darkness do in our lives through fear. They get us to panic. It's kind of like a howl that gets us to panic and to run from God, to not trust God, to not trust the will of God and to take things into our own hands, to panic. And when that happens, that's when they can snatch us. That's when they got us. That's when they can hijack us out of this story and bring anxiety and fear and worry. And in that panic, get us to do things that are self-destructive, make bad choices. But this verse is saying, look, I can trust that God is for me, that the Lord, the I am that created this universe is on my side. I will not fear. What can anyone or anything do to me when God is the one who's on my side? The Lord is on my side as my helper. He is my helper. I shall look in triumph 
on those who hate me. I shall look in triumph on every adversary in my life, everyone who wants my harm, everyone who wants to do me harm. I will look in triumph because I am in God's story. Verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. That's going to be the narrative of my life because the one in charge of the narrative of my life is for me. He's my helper. The author of Hebrews actually quotes these verses in this psalm. This psalm, again, is quoted by so many authors in the New Testament. Different verses in this psalm are quoted somewhere in the New Testament because it has so many verses that are part of the gospel story. And the author of Hebrews quotes these verses in the context of what we're talking about here, in the context of don't panic and lose your trust in God. Don't panic and lose your perseverance in your faith and your obedience, even when it's hard. And then the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, and now it's going to quote our verse, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Hebrews is trying to keep its readers in the faith and not to give up because it's getting hard. And it's quoting this verse by saying, look, stay in the story. Everything else is a dead end. Don't panic. Don't fear because the fear will create a self-fulfilling prophecy. It will get you to panic and step outside of the care and obedience to the will of the only place you're safe, and that's in the will of God. Ultimately, you shall not die but live and recount the deeds of the Lord. So nothing's going to happen to you that is outside that story as long as you trust in the Lord to be your helper, as long as you trust God's goodness and steadfast love for you. Stay inside his story. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Think about that. When you say this to yourself and you say it to God, you lift your eyes vertically and you're just getting your head off of the mere horizontal. All the shadow people who don't have this transcendent relationship with God live their lives with their heads down, but you're going to lift your eyes up and you're going to see your life in the vertical big blue sky of God's presence and God's promise and God's power, Yahweh, the I am. He is. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can anyone do to me? Ultimately, what can anything do to me? I'm a person concerned about my circumstances. I might have a bad health report. Something at work is becoming threatening to my well-being in my job, my security in my job. Something is threatening my financial security. There's something going on in my family. There's something going on with my friends. There's a lot to be concerned about, but I'm going to look vertically with this and not just horizontally. God is for me. Jesus has come to die for me, to give me resurrection. I shall not die, but I shall live. I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I will not fear. 
I'm going to have this vertical view of my life. What can anyone do to me ultimately? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I'm going to trust him to help me. I'm going to trust him to be my helper. I'm going to trust him to give me wisdom and discernment and help me navigate these waters, help me navigate these circumstances, and to help me respond in faith and not panic because I shall look in triumph on all my foes. I shall look in triumph on all those who hate me, who want to do me harm, who want to destroy me, and I will not fear. This is how you use these two verses in prayer. Let's just do that. Lord, God, you are the I am. You are the creator of this entire universe. And you are my creator. You created me because you want me to exist in your universe. And you want me to exist in your universe forever. I shall not die, but live and recount the deeds of the Lord because you have become my Passover lamb. You have taken death upon yourself for me and you have given me your resurrection. I shall not die, but live. The Lord is on my side. I thank you that you are for me. You did not spare your own son, but delivered him up for me. How will you not also with him give me all things? This restored earth in a resurrected, restored body and the all things of Jesus giving his joy to me. I came that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be made full, Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. And so you have died to give me abundant life. I trust you. I lift my eyes. And I know that you are for me. I will not fear. I will not panic. I'm not going to panic and give in to anxiety. I'm not going to panic and give in to worry. I'm going to keep looking up to you and to know that you are for me. You've already proven you're for me by dying on the cross. You've proven that. So I shall not die but live and recount the deeds of the Lord. What can man do to me? What can anything do to me that doesn't have to pass through your hands first? You are on my side and you are my helper. Help me. Give me wisdom and discernment what to do. Help me respond in love. Help me respond in faith. Be my helper and get me through this. I pray that you would give me favor in the eyes of those that would be able to help me if I have favor in their eyes and hearts. I pray that you would help me be humble in this and to not lash out. I want to trust you. I know that you are my helper. I know that you are with me. I know that you will allow me to look in triumph on all those who hate me because you love me and you are for me. So I trust in you. You are my light and you are my salvation. What can anyone do to me? You are the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I know that you delight in me, and that's why you died for me. So I want to be faithful to you, to be full of faith in you, to be full of faith in your promise that you will never leave me or forsake me, to be full of faith in your promise that you are for me, you are on my side as my helper, 
and I will not fear. I don't need to fear. Fear will not do anything good. I trust in you. I lift my eyes and see all of my circumstances in the context of your overarching presence and your overarching promise to me and your power in my life. I take hold of your right hand and I pray that you would lead me, walk me through this problem, walk me through my circumstances. I trust in you. I lift my hand and you walk me through this. Like a parent holding their child's hand as they cross a busy street, I hold your hand as you help me cross this trial in my life. And I trust in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.